Our image for this series is Daniel in the lion's den, an illustration of people trying to take control and who is actually in control. This particular painting is by Henry Oswa Tanner, a man whose faith in God kept his life in control in a world that was out of his control. Henry Tanner was living in France when World War I began. He was so devastated by the horrors he saw in war that he could not paint. He didn't know the future, how the war would end, but he determined to do the best for others in the time he was in. At age 55, he joined the Red Cross and went to the French front lines. Daniel is also in a world that is out of his control, but Daniel is always aware of his context. He knows where and when he is. He knows who he is and who others are. And most importantly, he knows who God is. This context gives him the right perspective on his life and actions, and it gives him a particular thing he can control. Daniel can control who he honors. Let's read Daniel 2, 25-30. Then Arach quickly brought Daniel before the king and said to him, I have found a man among the Judean exiles who can let the king know the interpretation. The king said in reply to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to tell me the dream I had and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king, No wise man, medium, magician, or diviner is able to make known the king the mystery he asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has let King Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in the last days. Your dream and the visions that came into your mind as you lay in bed were these, your majesty. While you were in your bed, thoughts came to your mind about what will happen in the future. The revealers of the revealer of mysteries has let you know what will happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but in order that the interpretation might be made known to the king, and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. In his context, Daniel shows humility. What's happening? The chief guard, who is the executioner, brings Daniel before the king, Nebuchadnezzar, to interpret the dream. If Daniel doesn't get this right, he's dead on the spot. When the king asks him if he can tell the dream and the interpretation, Daniel actually gives the same answer as the previous wise men. He says, no wise man, medium, magician, or diviner is able to make known to the king about the mystery he is asked about. So he basically says, in essence, nobody can. However, Daniel's answer differs from that point. The first wise men said the answer to dreams lay with the gods who don't walk with humans. Daniel says the answer is with the God of the heavens, who is the revealer of mysteries. The revealer of mysteries is a great name for God that we don't use often enough. It's this God who has revealed the mystery of the dream and interpretation to Daniel. This God not only reveals mysteries, but also chooses to interact with humans. Daniel has taken all the risk in this situation, but he doesn't take any credit. He doesn't say, I, Daniel, Belteshazzar, have discovered the dream and its meaning. 
Instead, he first gives credit to God. Next, he gives credit to Nebuchadnezzar, acknowledging that God gave the king the dream first, and he only got it second. Furthermore, Daniel only received the dream and interpretation for the purpose of serving the king, so that Nebuchadnezzar would know the answer. Daniel knows his context. He knows who he is. He knows who he is dealing with, both in the natural and supernatural world. And so he humbly takes no credit. In the 1997 movie Wag the Dog, it's especially relevant for today. It's all about creating fake news to win the presidency. Dustin Hoffman portrays a movie producer who is hired to create the fake news. He does such a good job that his candidate wins the presidency. This producer is so proud of his work, even though all the work he did was illegal and top secret, and he was well paid for it with cash and the promise of an ambassadorship. He decides that all he wants is the credit. It's a well-acted scene that I can't show you because of copyright restrictions, and there's quite a few cuss words in it. But it is on YouTube if you want to take a look. So Dustin Hoffman wants the credit. And so the Secret Service arranges for him to have an unexpected heart attack. I can relate to Dustin Hoffman's character. I want credit. I have to make reports about my work and the life of this church. The questions on my annual report do not ask me what God did. It asks me what I did. Maybe we need to change our denominational forms. People get raises, promotions, or fired based on their annual reports. People need to have accomplishments to put on their resumes, applications, or even for my eulogy and obituary. But Daniel did not ask God for a job promotion. He asked God for mercy. To live in a humble context, first, I have to be aware of my motives for asking God anything. Am I asking for my own enrichment? Second, I have to be ready to give God the glory. And third, I have to be ready to help others. James 4, uh, 2 put, and 3 puts it this way. You desire and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. If I want control in an out-of-control world, I must know that the world is not about me, and it's God who deserves honor. This is difficult because we live in a world of self-promotion. That's what social media is all about. If I don't promote myself, no one else will. But the call of a follower of Jesus is to honor Jesus not myself. Let's continue with Daniel 2, 31 through 45, where Daniel explains the dream. Your majesty, as you were watching, suddenly a colossal statue appeared. That statue, tall and dazzling, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was terrifying. The head of the statue was pure gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its stomach and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron, and its feet were partly of iron and partly fired clay. As you were watching, a stone broke off without a hand touching it, struck the statue on the feet of iron and fired clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the fired clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were shattered and became like chaff among the summer threshing floors. 
The wind carried them away, and not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the the king its interpretation. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God God of the heavens has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and glory. Wherever people live, or wild animals, or birds of the sky, he has handed them over to you and made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. After you, there will arise another kingdom, inferior to yours, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule the whole earth. A fourth kingdom will be as strong as iron, for iron crushes and shatters everything, and like iron that smashes, it will crush and smash all the others. You saw the feet and the toes partly of potter's fired clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom, though some of the strength of iron will be in it. You saw the iron mixed with clay, and that the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly fired clay. Part of the kingdom will be strong and part will be brittle. You saw the iron mixed with clay. The people will mix with one another, but it will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with fired clay. In the days of those kings, the God of the heavens will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, and this kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself endure forever. You saw a stone break off from the mountain without a hand touching it, and it crushed the iron, bronze, fired clay, silver, and gold. The great God has told the king what will happen in the future. The dream is certain, and its interpretation reliable. The second context Daniel is aware of now is his historical context. Nebuchadnezzar has dreamed of a statue with a head of gold, a chest and arms of silver, torso of bronze, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay, which is destroyed by a great rock from the mountain of God. It is symbolic of the future And this is a prophecy that we believe we have seen fulfilled. It is so accurate that secular historians believe it had to be written sometime into the late Roman Empire, not during the Babylonian Empire. The head of gold is the Babylonian Empire. Daniel states that the head is Nebuchadnezzar. The silver chest and arms, most believe, are the dual kingdoms of the Medes and the Persians, the kingdom which follows Babylon. The bronze stomach is to believe to be the Greek empire, the next great empire of the Mediterranean. Greek culture was somewhat fixated on the human body. The gods were perfect representations of humans in physicality. And the torso is the center of the body. And then we have the legs of iron and then iron mixed with clay for the feet. This is the Roman empire. Iron was the metal of the time that was the strongest. And Rome took over the whole known Western world. And in doing that, it also became a mixed culture and ethnic society. The rock that crushes all other kingdoms is the kingdom of God, brought to this earth with Jesus, which happened during the Roman Empire. Jesus is called the rock in 1 Corinthians 10.4, where Paul writes about the rock from which the ancient Israelites drank water from in the wilderness. It says this, And all drank the same spiritual drink, 
For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Jesus also calls himself the rock, referencing prophecy, in Matthew 21, 42-44. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is what the Lord has done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. Whoever falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will shatter them. The stone that shatters kingdoms is exactly what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed. I want to briefly mention that there are other possible interpretations of this dream. The statue zones could represent kings instead of kingdoms. There are basically four kings of Babylon. Technically, there were five kings, but one king only lasted nine months. In this case, the statue could represent Nebuchadnezzar, Emil Marduk, uh, Negesalar, and Nabonis, who co-ruled with his son Belteshazzar. In this interpretation, Cyrus is the rock because Cyrus of the Medo-Persian Empire defeats Babylon. And he's also a messianic figure because he lets the Israelites return to the land. A third interpretation are the four kings mentioned in the book of Daniel. So the statue would represent Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus, with Jesus again being the rock. Even though the consensus is that this dream is about Babylon, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greeks, and the Romans, what we really know for certain in this prophecy is that Nebuchadnezzar's reign will end and eventually all human reigns will end when God sets up his eternal kingdom on the earth. And Nebuchadnezzar understands this. We'll see in future stories that he's actually going to fight against it. He wants his kingdom to be the eternal kingdom, even though he has been told the future. Perhaps he feels now out of control because of his limited place in history. What I'm calling historical context is related to humility. It's knowing God's control of history. God is the beginning and the end of history. And so I need to know my place in history so that I can do the good that I am called to do while I'm here. Maya Angelou said, We spend precious hours fearing the inevitable. It would be wise to use that time adoring our families, cherishing our friends, and living our lives. I do think it's important who the next president of the United States is. I care about who's on the Supreme Court. While I care about who's in these important offices, I also realize in the long run of history, it doesn't matter. Every decision they make, for good or evil, is temporary. We change presidents every four to eight years, Congress every two. Justices die. My hope is not in a Democratic donkey or a Republican elephant, but in the lamb that was slain and is also the lion of Judah. His kingdom is the one that is already here and is coming to fullness and will last forever, crushing everything that came before. It's my job to honor God by doing what's right in my time. If I'm doing what's right in my time, I worry less about what other people, even leaders, are doing. I can't control them anyway. 
Let's finish the story. Daniel 2, 46-49. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell face down, worshipped Daniel, and gave orders to present an offering and incense to him. The king said to Daniel, Your God is indeed God of gods, Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, since you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many generous gifts. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and chief governor over all the wise men of Babylon. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to manage the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. We've seen humility and history. Now let's look at honor. Nebuchadnezzar honors Daniel, the king of Babylon, the one who people are supposed to bow down before, this king falls down, face down, and worships Daniel and presents an offering and incense to Daniel. He's treating Daniel at least as a messenger of the gods, if not as a god himself. However, Nebuchadnezzar also recognizes, probably because of Daniel's humility, that the power is not with Daniel. The king next honors God calling Daniel's God the greatest of all the gods, so usurping Marduk, the chief of the Babylonian gods. He calls Daniel's God the Lord of kings, recognizing that God is greater than himself. And he affirms Daniel's name of God as the revealer of mysteries. Nebuchadnezzar has just made a huge first step in possibly becoming a faithful follower of God Yahweh instead of Marduk. I don't know if I'll see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven, but he's moving in the right direction. Next, Daniel honors his friends. Even though Daniel is the one who took the public risk and thus gets the greatest reward, he doesn't forget Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who he asked to pray with him. Daniel is made ruler over the whole of Babylon and the chief of all the wise men. He serves at the king's court. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are promoted under Daniel as provincial governors. The historian Thomas Clyde said this, Show me the person you honor, and I will show you what type of person you are. Daniel has shown himself to be a person of humility and wisdom, a person who knows the good he is to do in his place and time. Sometimes one person is the face of a local church, a ministry, or a job. I personally am uncomfortable when a church has the pastor's face front and center everywhere. In reality, all the work of God is a team effort and with God's power. Perhaps some of you are at a stage of life where you don't have the physical ability to be the person up front. That's okay. Be a person of prayer. Daniel shows us that prayer is a work worthy of honor. Daniel has also shown us two sides of humility. First is not taking credit that I don't deserve. And the second is giving credit where credit is due. First to God and second to those who participate in the work. I want to thank everyone who calls Hartwood Church their home and place of ministry. If all the work and prayer rested only on me, we would have had to close our doors years ago. Much of 
what goes on in my world, I don't have any control over. I can't control who lives or who dies. One person dies a natural death after a long life, and another is shot in their apartment. In a world outside of my control, I have control over what I do and which people and which God I honor. As I said at the beginning of this message, Henry Oswa Tanner joined the Red Cross during World War I. He became a lieutenant on the French front, serving from 1914 to 1918. In addition to his regular duties, he was also commissioned to paint scenes of life at the Red Cross station, which are now a part of the Red Cross art collection. Tanner was awarded the Knight of Legion of Honor Medal, the highest French order of merit for both military and civil merits. Tanner didn't serve people in order to earn a medal. He did it to honor God and do the work he was called to do in his time. It's the same example we see in Jesus, who came at the right time to do the will of God the Father and give his life as a ransom for many. Daniel and Henry Tanner are examples we can still follow today. I may get the opportunity to counsel leaders. I may have to put my life on the line. I may simply need to help with the October blood drive. I know I need to pray with others for God's mercy and for the revealing of mysteries. The question I ask myself is, how will I honor God today and do the service he calls me to do? Let's pray from Psalm 25. Lord, I ask you, my God, I trust you. Do not leave me disgraced because no one who waits for you will be disgraced. Make your ways known to me. Lord, teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. Remember, Lord, your mercy and faithful love, for they have existed as part of your character forever. Lord, you are good and upright, and therefore you show sinners the way. May we walk in humility, and all we do give you honor, revealing your love and life to others. In Jesus' name, amen. As you reflect on this message, think of one thing that resonated with you, one thing that challenged you, one thing you want to learn more about, and one thing you will do based on what you have heard. Now, may he who is the mystery of godliness, he who appeared in body and was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up into glory, may he humble you under his mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time.